right, so you got your Bible with you? If you don't, don't worry, the verses will be on the screen. We are dealing with the book of Acts, and we've got a little bit of a different way to do it. We, I'll see if I can talk for 15 minutes to get our brain juices flowing. You might have a question about the text or a, uh, an opinion or something that you think is important to mention so that we can all learn something. The, the, the thing that I like about Bible study and, and a situation like this is that um, you know, the, the Spirit might be showing you something in your heart that somebody else doesn't see. And that, that's really, really beneficial. I had um, a nice debate with a Mormon this week. And it was interesting to sort of hear from him. I wanted to understand why do you believe in this faith that you have? And um, it was interesting, you know, the answers. Well, first of all, he struggled to give me an answer. But it sort of came back to... He just believes it. He just believes it. And I, I want to ask you tonight, why are you a Christian? Why do you just believe? Do you just believe? Or is there some evidence? There isn't evidence. Oh, there is some evidence. Okay. So keep that in mind, that question in mind, as we look at this text for tonight, because we might come back to that, that topic Let's read the text, though, before we get there. Just to remind you of what happened last week. We were in chapter 2 from verse 1 to 13. And we saw there were a wind, or a sound of a wind that came from heaven. Came down into this house where the disciples were. And turned into the wind. The sound seems to have turned into tongues of fire. Or maybe the, the sound was with the fire. And it settled on each one of them. And they started speaking in different languages. Okay, and I sort of showed you this map. This is the places from everywhere in the world where these guys, well, where, came from. And it's potentially all the languages that these guys heard, or as we spoke about last week, they either heard it in that language or they spoke that language. I think it's more uh, reasonable to say that they spoke uh, those different languages, even though they maybe didn't know it themselves. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to put this up here. So that's the situation. It's the day of Pentecost. They've sp spoken in tongues. What happens in the last verse, in verse 13? The people who are there, some people, so, so this is what happens when the Holy Spirit works in you. Some people say, oh my goodness, this must be God. And other people say what? They must be drunk. They're a bunch of drunkards. Now, we take over from, from there and we, we, we look at what's going to happen next. And it seems like Peter stands up and he starts preaching a sermon. So we're going to look at Peter's sermon uh, tonight and unpack it a little bit and see what you see and see what I see. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. That's verse 14. Raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people, they're not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. 
and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, Peter continues, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on earth that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come... He spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear. Verse 34, for David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, I've read the passage many times. I've never preached on it. I don't think it's the easiest passage in the world to preach on because, I don't know, it's just, there's not much really to deal with. Just a quick question. Is anybody confused about what we just read? Who's going to be honest? (laughs) The whole world. (laughs) The whole world. Why do you say this text? Okay, but what is that interpretation? Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Huh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Why do they use this specific? Are you talking about the first 13 verses or this specific one we're looking at tonight? Because this specific one. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
busco que te lleves. Okay. So, yeah. So this is pretty. This is this. So this is Peter's sermon, uh, you know. And we'll look next week into how the people respond. But this is basically what he said. This is perhaps one of the most effective sermons ever preached. But to be honest with you, when I look at it just from a distance, I don't know what you think. It's like okay, because it's difficult for us to like put ourselves in that situation. So what I'm going to try do is. It's the first time I'm going to do this, but I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to reread the text for us. But I'm going to read it in a way like maybe I would have said it if I was Peter. To sort of help us understand what is going on here. Okay, I want you, the, the title of tonight's lesson is Let Me Explain. Why did I say that's sort of the, the title? It's because the sound came from heaven, tongues of fire came, people gathered from all over, and then they heard them speaking in tongues. And people are wondering, what on earth is going on here? Are these guys drunk? Or is this something else? So Peter stands up and he says, okay, let me explain what is going on. And after the sermon, what do we have? We have thousands of people repent. So something in the sermon is important. Something happens in the sermon. So this is how I would have preached it maybe in, in my Machil way. I would have said, okay, guys, you are... Now imagine he's standing there. He's got all these people around the house. You're probably wondering what is going on here. I get you. You guys have heard a sound and, and you guys are here and you hear us speaking in tongues and, and things. And you're wondering what on earth is going on here. Let me start off by saying this. These guys over here that you think are drunk, us, we're actually not drunk. It's nine, it's nine o'clock in the morning. So it's definitely not that. There's another explanation for what you have seen and heard. In actual fact, let me tell you this. The explanation of what happened here today, what you saw here today, I want you to know this. The explanation of this is found in a prophecy that's about 500 years old. You guys believe in the scriptures, right? Yeah, 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 we believe in the scriptures. Okay, do you, have you read the book of Joel? Have you read that passage? I think it's in chapter 2, verse 28 to 38 and 32. I don't know if, if, if Peter just quoted off by heart, but I mean, Peter is quite a machine. He's a fisherman. And he brings out the Old Testament texts. He brings it out. Maybe he had a, like a whole trunk full of scrolls. He brings out this old scroll, this, this Joel scroll. It's probably like five pages long. And he stands there and he reads to them, perhaps, from this scroll. So the, he says to them, the prophet Joel, whom you believe in, he spoke about a day which he called the day of the Lord. Now, just pause my story. I mean... We know usually when we think about the day of the Lord, what do we think about? We think about the judgment day. But that's not what Joel spoke about, at least not in, in Peter's interpretation. There's another day. And Peter says, now that day that Joel spoke about, and he quotes the text, right? We read it now. Here it is. It's that text. Peter reads that to them. And he says, now this day that Joel spoke about, this is not the judgment day. It, he is speaking about this day. The day that we are on now. Can you imagine how incredible that must be? Oh my goodness. We are standing in the day that Joel spoke about. Well, you might ask, why? Why, Peter? How, you know, how do you know this passage refers to this day? And, people, uh, and Peter, Peter would then go, okay, well, let me read the text with you. The text says that a day would come 
when God would pour out His Spirit on all men, men and women. Now, you guys have never seen that because you guys are used to the Spirit being poured out only on specific individuals, whether it's a judge or a king. But the time is coming, and what you saw here, that's actually what happened. The Spirit was poured out on all people, not just prophets. And He will display signs on the earth and signs in the heavens. The sign that you saw today, this, this tongues of fire, Joel spoke about that. And the wind, the fire, that's... And then he says, and those who call on the name of God in this day will be saved. So Joel said this day would come. And you guys know what? If he continues further on, you guys know what? You, you guys remember Jesus? He was killed recently, hung on the cross. You guys know him. You know he performed amazing miracles and signs on the earth. Joel's actually talking about that too. You guys know it. You cannot deny it. Now, you might not think much of this, but it was God's plan for him to die on a cross. God knew that this would happen, that the Son of God would die on a cross. God knew this. And you guys, you made it happen. You guys got people with wicked hands, that's what the original language says, to nail him to the cross. You guys organized wicked people to nail him to the cross. Guess what? You killed him. But God raised him from the grave because death couldn't keep him. You might uh, think I'm talking nonsense, right? You think I'm talking nonsense when I say he's been raised from the, from the dead. You might not trust our testimony. But you do trust scripture, don't you? And what do you think David meant in Psalm chapter 16, verse 8 to 11? And so Peter is preaching a sermon here, and he's using Scripture the whole time. Do you see that? He said, let's go to Psalm chapter 16 quickly, and you tell me what you think David meant here. I saw the Lord always before me, because he's at my right hand. I'll not be shaken, and they're the last. Uh, verse 27, you will not me, abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. Do you think that David, when he, when he wrote this, he was saying that he will never die? Do you see um, David is talking here about someone who would not decay. Uh, somebody that would die but not stay dead. Do you think he was talking about himself? No. You know as well as I am that David is dead. In actual fact, his tomb is right here in Jerusalem. You know where his tomb is and his body is right there. So he's not talking about himself. So let me ask the question, who do you think he's talking about? David was a prophet. And in this psalm, he's telling us that a king will sit on his throne be one of his descendants, and he will not decay in the grave. In other words, he will not stay dead. David was talking through the Spirit about the Messiah, and he's telling us plainly here that the Messiah would be raised from the dead. Now, you might not believe me that I saw Jesus raised from the dead, but you believe in Scripture. Right? Now, we are here today, standing in front of you, to tell you that all of the signs here and the scripture that I've just quoted to you is evidence that Jesus has been raised from the dead. We have seen him. We are his witnesses. And we are many witnesses. In actual fact, more than 500 people saw him, according to Paul in Corinthians. The prophets foretold it. You have seen the Spirit poured out here today. And we tell you... Um, 
Oh, this Jesus has been raised to life. The right hand of the Father in heaven. And because of that, He can now fulfill the promise that He gave us on earth. Through the pouring out of His Spirit. Now when David spoke in Psalm chapter 110 verse 1. About ascending to the right hand of the Father. He was not talking about Himself. He was talking about the Messiah. Now I'm sure that you can see that in the text. Therefore, let everybody... Especially the people of Israel know this today based on the scriptures, based on the words of David and Joel, based on the signs performed on earth and the signs you've seen come down from heaven, based on our eyewitness testimony, based on the outpouring of the spirit that happened right here today. Let everyone know that God has made this Jesus both. This Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. I would say in a nutshell, that's the sermon. Peter is explaining the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead. That's the first gospel sermon ever on the planet. Now, what do I take out of this? Some thoughts that came to my mind, and then I'm going to leave it open. You see, I've already gone over like... 17 minutes. Ephesians 5.18. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. It's interesting in this text that they thought that they were drunk, when in actual fact, they were just filled with the Spirit. We can, we can discuss this. What does that look like? God uses nature to get the attention of people. That's interesting. God chose wind and fire. Does God still do that today? Thirdly, ordinary people can know the Bible. And I think for me, this is exceptional. Peter was what? A fisherman. God gives him the honor to stand up and preach the first resurrection sermon on planet Earth. And he did a good job, don't you think? He pulls out Joel. Then he pulls out David. He pulls out the Psalms. He uses scripture to confirm truth. Well done. You can do the same. All of us can. You don't have to go to Bible college to do that. It helps going to Bible college, but you don't have to. I was thinking about Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And that's Joseph, right? And it's, it's, it's similar to what's happening in this text because Peter is saying, you guys intended to kill Jesus and God allowed you to. But God only allowed it because he had a bigger picture. What do you guys think? That's what I see. That's what I pull out of it. What do you see in the text? 